Hey there, it's me, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, that redheaded actor from Modern Family. I have a podcast. It's combining a couple of my favorite things, talking and food. Please join me as I dine with the biggest names in entertainment, people like Julie Bowen, Kristen Bell, Fred Armisen, and so many more. It's called Dinners on Me, and you're invited. Am I saying a chocolate souffle is going to get me to reveal all of my secrets? Yeah, I am. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. It's almost July 4th weekend in the U.S., the birthday of this country, which of course got us here at Can He Do That thinking about the nation's founding and the evolution of its highest office, the one we focus on most on this show, the American presidency. We often ask ourselves questions like, how will a president's performance be viewed in the eyes of history? And how do social and cultural moments affect the lens through which we assess our former chief executives? It turns out that the team at C-SPAN also ponders questions like this. And they've brought in more than 140 historians and presidential experts to help answer them. This week, C-SPAN released its fourth historian survey of presidential leadership. The survey asks experts to rank the country's 44 former presidents on 10 leadership qualities. Things like public persuasion skills and moral authority. This is the first year that the rankings include former President Donald Trump. And the findings about him and other presidents are at times unexpected. We'll dive into those results. This is Can He Do That, a podcast that explores the powers and limitations of American government in a time of deep division. I'm Allison Michaels. My name is Amity Schles, and I'm chairman of the Calvin Coolidge Presidential Foundation. The Coolidge Foundation's mandate is to share knowledge about Coolidge's life and to share knowledge about Coolidge's values. Amity is also one of the survey advisors on C-SPAN's historian survey of presidential leadership, which was released Wednesday. So I started by asking her, what is this survey all about? This survey is a large survey. So you have over 100 people answering questions, historians or people who have done serious work in history, ranking the presidents on a number of bases and then aggregating that to some number for each president. And what are those rankings based on? What are those criteria? We look at public persuasion. Can, can a president talk to the people? Crisis leadership, economic management, moral authority, international relations, relations with Congress, so you could get a law passed, vision or setting an agenda, and justice for all, equal justice for all. And we also have a separate item, performance within the context of his times, because sometimes it's better to judge people in their own times rather than to engage in presentism and, and judge them by your own times. So I'm particularly interested in, in the moral authority category. How is that defined and, and how important is it to the effectiveness of a president? Well, it's very important per se. Why? A president asks the people to do things. And if people don't believe in the president, or that he would do what he says he's going to do, they're not going to go along. A more neutral way to put it is what President uh, George W. Bush used to call this political capital. If you have political capital or capital and moral authority, a lot of it, you could spend it and you could get 
laws passed. And of course, moral authority is important in wars. You're asking people to sacrifice. Moral authority is also important in tax increases. You're asking people to sacrifice on the premise that it's worth it. And that, that has to kind of exude from the president that he, that he has that authority. So you have all of these metrics, these 10 metrics that these historians, including yourself, are ranking the presidents on. What is the goal of this survey? What are the results intended to tell the American people or to reveal to the American people? Well, what we think about leadership, even beyond the presidency, what is a leader? How do you select a leader? And so if you look at the past presidents, then you, then you make a decision. I would like a leader like that and not like that. So let's get to the details of the results of this year's survey. Who ranks first and who ranks last? Lincoln ranks first. And President Trump doesn't rank last, but he rank, ranks pretty close and Buchanan last. Abraham Lincoln, it turns out, ranks really highly on most metrics for presidential leadership. He ranks highest in the categories for his vision and his crisis leadership, and he got his lowest scores for his relations with Congress. James Buchanan, meanwhile, is at the bottom of the pack. He scored low in every category. His scores for his pursuit of equal justice and his crisis leadership, those are particularly dismal. This isn't super surprising, though. Buchanan fomented the conditions that led the U.S. to civil war. And of course, Lincoln oversaw the end of that war. Those realities have put Lincoln consistently at the top of C-SPAN surveys and Buchanan consistently near the bottom. But there have been other changes over the years. I asked Amity how much fluctuation she's seen in the rankings. Not as much as one could expect, and I think that's a good sign. Rash opinions occur and then they're reversed, right? But the people more or less voted the same as they might have in the past in an astounding number of instances. There were, however, some changes. Eisenhower went up, which uh, surprised me. President uh, George W. is at 29, up from 36. Bill Clinton started at 21, went to 15, and is now at 19. Grant is way up. Ulysses S. Grant. And the things that I'm looking at where he, he made a huge gain is equal rights. Harding's up in that area. The biggest drop in the category of equal justice is Wilson. Jefferson's down there, Monroe's down there, and Nixon's down there. So some of the evaluation is woke. What it's saying is if a president was poor on civil rights and did not respect Americans' rights, we're going to rank him lower. And how has that sort of perception changed as we have this nationwide conversation about race and racism in this country? How does that shape the way we view presidents of the past? I, I think it's just considered more of a factor. When you think about Thomas Jefferson, you heard about Sally Hemings, his mistress and slave long ago, but said many people in the past said that's not important. What's important is his authorship of our founding documents or his view of the United States. That counts more in people's opinion of him. I would like to underscore the point that the, the polies, which is a wide diversity of polies, we had a big inclusion effort and hired more experts, tended to emphasize civil rights more than our polies have in the past. And that's because of the new American view that we've neglected that area in the past and that civil rights leadership is important for presidents. 
What other sort of factors that are happening in modern life influence how these rankings change from year to year? Are there pop culture influences? Are there other cultural influences? Well, what I noticed is quiet presidents moved up in ranking. So that would be the opposite of President Trump. Walter Russell Mead wrote an interesting book about Jackson, Andrew Jackson. He it was a wild man uh, and he went down this time. So that's interesting. That sort of cowboy presidency is not currently popular. I was interested and the quiet presidents, Ike was fairly quiet and he also delegated a lot. So when something happened, it didn't appear to come from the chief executive, but rather from the cabinet or somewhere else. He, he was in the background. Coolidge moved up, quiet delegating president. I think that there's a question in the United States about how important is the presidency, right? It's just part of the government. A president is not a king. And what I'm seeing is the more uh, humble presidents doing better in this survey this time. I mean, I'm very proud that Calvin Coolidge went up <laughs> because I, I work for the Calvin Coolidge Presidential Foundation. I'll tell you an anecdote about Coolidge. One day, a senator was walking him along the street to cheer him up on Pennsylvania Avenue. And he said, the senator said, what lucky man gets to live in that house with the white pillars? And Coolidge said, nobody, they just come and go. I think, speaking roughly by leadership, we mean the art of getting someone else to do something that you want done because he wants to do it. Not because your position of power can compel him to do it or your position of authority. A commander of a regiment is not necessarily a leader. He has all of the uh, appurtenances of power uh, given by a set of army regulations by which he can compel unified action. He can say to a body such as this, rise, sit down, you do it exactly. But that's not leadership. Coolidge wasn't just playing the dark. What he was saying is the office matters more than the man. That we're all there just to pass through. We're not kings. And I would say there's kind of an anti-monarchical tilt to this survey. Presidents shouldn't play king, beware of that. So that's a split in the American brain. We want the president to do everything but heaven forfend. He, he becomes a king, right? Or she. That, that's our own, our own conflict that we have. I want to move on to talk more in depth about former President Donald Trump, who's in this survey for the first time. You mentioned earlier that he ranks pretty low. I see here that he ranks 41. So that's pretty far down. It, it is a, a real condemnation. No way around it. Yeah, it's interesting to me because some of the rankings, I was surprised to see how low Trump performed in the actual list of criteria. So, for example, public persuasion, he ranked 32. Yet in my perception, that was one of his greatest skills was his ability to persuade the public. Or his economic management ranked 34, which there's mixed judgments to be made there. But generally, the economy was doing fairly well under President Trump. So I'd be curious what your insight is into how those individual pieces of his ranking kind of came together. I, I think, you know, generally people and not just historians, when you ask them the economic question, it, it, they tend to end, you say, what about his economics? And the, the way they hear that question is, do you approve of his economic philosophy? Mm -hmm. And the corollaries that go with it. So here Trump is, I'm looking, 
next to Jimmy Carter. What was the reality of Jimmy Carter's economics? It gave us terrible inflation. It gave us unemployment. That was the beginning of stagflation when we had inflation and unemployment. It gave us just a swampy, swampy, depressing economy. Some of the listeners were around in the 70s, and they'll remember the results of that. Trump had a strong economy, so I'm confused as to why Trump, President Trump, would be with Jimmy Carter in in the rankings there. I mean, if I had one quarrel with my colleagues, that is how they voted, it's that I don't think the economic results of some of these presidents highly ranked for economics were that great. The U.S. economy is growing almost twice as fast today as when I took office. And we are considered far and away the hottest economy anywhere in the world, not even close. So I think it's always important when you're looking at history to say, what was the result? Not how do I emotionally feel about a certain policy, but what was the result of the policy? Did it get unemployment down? Did it keep prices stable? Did it create jobs? Yeah, and sometimes we don't know those economic consequences or those economic results until years after that presidency is over anyway. That's a good point. One more question on former President Trump. He came in dead last in the categories of moral authority and administrative skills. But what presidents best represent those things? Who is a great moral leader or who is a great administrator? Well, you see Washington. You see Lincoln doing well. Theodore Roosevelt does pretty well. He's number five. Franklin Roosevelt, uh, three, that's really good. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. Truman did pretty well, and that's a, a tough one because he did drop a nuclear bomb, and that's controversial, right? The, the, among the toughest decisions in our history were made by Truman. If they do not now accept our terms, they may expect a rain of ruin from the air, the like of which has never been seen on this earth. Behind this air attack will follow sea and land forces in such numbers and power as they have not yet seen, and with the fighting skill of which they are already well aware. I guess it's people who can make tough decisions and you can count on them to have a principle behind it. President Obama is number six. Again, I think one reason Obama is so popular, it's not just the new emphasis on civil rights, it's that he wasn't a big ham. There are many who won't agree with every decision or policy I make as president. And we know the government can't solve every problem. But I will always be honest with you about the challenges we face. I will listen to you, especially when we disagree. And above all, I will ask you to join in the work of remaking this nation the only way it's been done in America for 221 years, block by block, brick by brick, calloused hand by calloused hand. And there is a reaction against the more ebullient kind of presidency in this. I see that with Clinton going down. So a lot of your interpretation of the results here is that some of it was a response to the most recent presidency and what that changed about the perceptions of the role. Yes, ma'am. 
Okay, so you don't consider the sitting president in these rankings, but I'm going to put you on the spot just for a second. I don't need an exact number, but what leadership characteristics would you say President Biden possesses so far? How would he fare in these rankings? I I will say President Biden builds coalitions, and that's part of it. So getting along with Congress is his big challenge, and historically he's been able to do that. He's a long-time hill operator in the good sense, not the slime sense. So that would be his strength, but we're going to see. On New Year's Day in 1863, Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. When he put pen to paper, the president said, and I quote, if my name ever goes down into history, it'll be for this act, and my whole soul is in it. My whole soul is in it. Today, on this January day, my whole soul is in this, bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. And I ask every American to join me in this cause. And what does a survey like this reveal about the role of presidents over time? Do Americans have higher expectations of presidents at different moments in history? Do they look to presidents for different types of leadership in different eras? Oh, of course. I mean, the president used to be someone you didn't know much about. In the United States, it was only in the 1930s that the federal government became a more important presence in the economy than states and towns, right? So what was the, it was that distant thing over there, the federal government that led the army, right? It was the commander in chief and a few other things. Maybe the Supreme Court was in Washington, right? And now we look to the president for rules about uh, when to take off the mask and put it back on. So that, that is American history. So I, I think it's hard for a president to do well now because it's very hard to run an economy. That's what the Soviet Union discovered to run an economy, actually no one can do it. And yet, generally, the people of the United States look to the executive branch to play a large role in that. And as you look into the future, thinking about this survey, let's say 20 years down the road, do you foresee more recent presidents changing in their rankings? So Donald Trump and and Barack Obama and, and George W. Bush, do you imagine that they will have much different rankings with further hindsight from their presidencies? In, in- oh, absolutely. If you're voting for a recent president who's still alive, it's almost as if you're asking yourself whether you would reelect him rather than whether he achieved in history his mandate. But, but C-SPAN is correct in asking the question because then it has a benchmark against which to measure change. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I'm honored. Thanks for listening to this 4th of July installment of Can He Do That? If you'd like to learn more about presidents or presidential history, you should check out another Washington Post podcast called Presidential. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Can He Do That? is a team effort here at The Post. It's produced by Sharla Freeland and Arjun Singh with logo art by Greg Manifold and theme music by Ted Muldoon.